You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Hey crew, Mark Hadmaker here coming to you from the Comancheria, yet again. Today we're going to talk about some uh, knife fighting, as talk frontier knife fighting specifically, and a tale of four regions, all right? Now we're going to take a complex topic, that of knife fighting, and render it to bite-sized morsels to kind of start our conversation, perhaps down the road. Not today. We'll go into greater depth and detail on this wide-ranging subject. I mean, wide-ranging in both the land cover and the depth of past cultures revisited. Now, knife fighting, knife wielding, knife play played a large part in the frontiers of the early Americas. And to be clear, I combined the North American continent with the South American continent in this estimation. For our discussion's purposes, we're going to divide our geography into four broad cultural regions. One, our brothers and sisters to the north in the Canadian frontier. Two, the early United States and Western territories, kind of where we are, or at least I am. And three, Mexico. We're going to use as the dividing line or the meshing line. Blending line. And then the fourth region, we're going to call uh, the South American brothers and sisters will be considered in, in total, just as we do in the case of the United States and the Western Territory. So we get the four regions. Uh, the approach, uh, we're going to approach this numerical order, begin with the Canadian frontier. And recall, we are only examining knife fighting and knife wielding culture in broad strokes. We're making sweeping generalizations th- here. They're on the whole trail, but you know we know in uh, some details, obviously, you know, we, we have to dig down deep there later on. Now, with that in mind, there's not much blade-wise to speak of on the Canadian frontier. Now hold your horses, not to say that blades were not wielded and innovations were not made beyond the northern border. I merely offer that Canada in its frontier days enjoyed a comparatively more mellow time than our southern neighbors. Now again, I'm saying this is all this is a relative statement. It's comparative and it's relative. Uh, Canadian cowboy Henry Cavett and his uh, uh, book of recollections called Recollections, uh, seems to sum up the difference between uh, Canadian and U.S. cowboys and ranchers when he says, quote, there was none of that Wild West gunman stuff that the movies portray about the early American West days up here, unquote. Uh, You carried a pistol, uh, carrying a pistol and a knife, it was far more ubiquitous in the U.S., uh, uh, cowboys than the Canadian cowboy. Okay, again, it's not to say that they, it wasn't being done, but just make sure we're clear. It's a relative statement. Many historians, Richard uh, W. Slatta among them, surmise that the difference in violence was due to the fact that Canadian mounted police often moved west with the settling of the Canadian frontier, and in some cases in advance of it with far flung outposts, whereas the American frontier. So-called recognized law came uh, after settlement, in some cases long after. All right. Again, none of this is to say that the Canadian frontier was all hearts and flowers. It's merely that in comparison to all the neighbors of the South, they enjoyed a far more peaceful time and had less need of a deep-rooted, bladed culture. It's when we get back to the U.S. that the knife and gun cultures begin to really gain ground. I mean, firearms and blades were ubiquitous from the Atlantic to the Pacific coast. I mean, the Old West fistfight, a large part of the Western film, was rarer than the cinema would have us believe. Knives or man-stoppers, i.e. firearms, were the preferred method. And there were indeed regional differences even here. The chin fight, the fist fight, or dog fight, which is a rough and tumble all-in fight, were a larger part of the southern and Appalachian frontier than the western frontier, right? I mean, the early Appalachian frontier in the south seemed to revel in all forms of personal combat. I mean, it was nuts. I mean, from unarmed to most any and all weapons. There was even a phase in the early south, and I'm, I'm not kidding about this, when a form of nightly jousting was resurrected, all right? On horses with the lances. Uh, more on this uh, in another day. We'll talk about some of these crazy games that were being done back then. Uh, now, now, knife and gunplay was held in high esteem throughout the U. 
U.S., but it's out west where the firearm and the knife enjoyed an almost monopoly in violent skirmishes. We see a curious thing regarding knife play and gunplay as we move south towards Mexico. See, gunplay is still rife, but the incidences of knife play, I mean, this just rises exponentially. Now, there are many less than PC remarks in journals and newspapers uh, from the time along the lines that I'm quoting here. This, this is in the mindset that... Uh, a Mex would rather gut a man with a blade than face a man down with a gun, unquote. Okay, that's just the uh, way things were being spoken of then, but it seemed to give you the flavor of what you're going to find account again and again and again. The single incident points this out, this go-for-your-choice uh, mindset. Baz, B-A-Z, and it's sometimes spelled Bass, outlaw, which was his actual name, by the way. He was sometimes a Texas, rain, <clears throat> Texas Ranger, excuse me, but more often than not, he was a drunken Hellraiser. Uh, he, was, he was drinking in a mining uh, 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 saloon in Sierra de Carmen, Cojilla, Mexico, uh, 1889. And uh, Baz, or Bass, gets into an argument with an also armed uh, Mexican miner. Now, we don't have the name of the miner here. They say that both reached at the same time. Baz comes out with his pistol and the miner with his knife. Baz comes out on the side of that fracas, because you should have probably bet the firearm versus the knife. And this leads to the question of why the reach for the blade over the firearm in the face of sure violence. Now, we're going to come back to that question in just a moment. Let's move a little further south uh, to Region 4 for explanation. Region 4, this is all of South America. Okay, now, it is here where we have a blade-dominant culture. I mean, the gaucho, uh, the Argentinian Uruguayan equivalent to the U.S. cowboy, they carried blades, most often the facon, a lard, a long sword-like knife, or sometimes a, a working blade, a, a task knife. And I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce this correctly, so I'm going to leave it off. <laughs> But the, then we go out and we have the Enero horsemen of Venezuela and Colombia, likewise, all wielding blades. Now, but where the gun took the premier spot in the American West, the blade was the go-to in South America. I mean, knife fights, knife duels, knife games were common. Often the goal of these so-called disagreements was to merely mark up the face of the opponent and leave them alive. Right? So the ethic was a great deal different from uh, West, where we're thinking, you know, killing is the, the key. Now, of course, the violence often went further, but the prioritizing of the knife over the gun, even holding a less than deadly goal of face marking, is an ultimate sign of skill. We have more chance for actual pure temper tactical know-how to persevere. I mean, after all, if you can survive these things, you get a chance to pass on uh, what works. Of course, if you got one, you know, every time we have a, a, a duel and someone's dying, you know, you know, 50% of your, your tactics go with it, and we don't know what happened there. Now, these knife duels were often conducted in pulperias, or pulperias, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong as well, which is kind of the South American equivalent of the Old West Saloon. And these were refereed by uh, those present. Now, the ultimate compliment in these regions was to be uh, retobado, uh, which is essentially a canny evader. So he's good at slipping in and out of, out of the way. So we, this also lets us know there's lots of footwork in play, lots of interesting movement, lots of dodges, lots of, of evasions. And there's a wide variety of shielding, tripping, sweeping, tangling, and canny evasions in this knife play of the region. Of course, we're getting, we cover all this sort of stuff in the Black Box Project. Uh, we're still trickling that stuff out. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about, this long-running, delving into historical play. Okay, now let's go back to uh, Mexico, our region three, our little blending range here. Now, Mexico served as the dividing line or meshing line or blending line where we see blade-saturated cultures of South America meeting the gun culture of North America. It is this region where we had the Vaquero meeting of saying, mark him but leave him alive, and they're also meeting people saying, kill him now so you don't have to kill him later. So this is where it gets really crazily violent, and I'm not going to lie, a little bit, you know, very interesting what was coming out of here. 
And it's here that knife fighting prowess also started to include more gutting, hawking, and other like killing tactics. Now, the blade over firearm mindset is also likely why the unfortunate Mexican miner reached for his blade against Boz, to whom uh, the thought it never would have occurred to him to go for the gun because he's thinking you're falling back on your whatever your cultural saturation is, right? Now, the reason for this rising reverence for the Blade seems to be because of its geographic and cultural midground, a border ground between the two Americas. Blade culture, blade tactics, and strategy is far deeper in the Americas than is usually assumed. Most thinking begins and ends with the Bowie knife or the influence of the Salle d'Armes in New Orleans and other locations. But no, my friends, it's far deeper and more interesting story than that. I mean, four regions, all of which have surprises up their sleeves, and we are wise direct resurrect these surprises and use them to our own advantage. Again, if you like what we're doing here, like, subscribe, share, support, hell, do whatever you want. I'm not your dad. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. Thank you.